0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Detroit Tigers 5 at Cleveland Guardians nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I was excited to have some afternoon baseball on, you know, during the work day. And we got our absolute butts kicked. We had an absolutely terrible baseball game. Uh this one wasn't much fun. It was not. We get shut out by the Tigers. We lose the series to the Tigers. It, the offense looks terrible again. Badenfield gets hit around before uh, at least giving you six innings. Uh so at least stretching it out after he gives up five runs in the you know, in two in the first, three in the third. He at least gives you three more innings of shut out baseball. To save the bullpen a little bit Which doesn't really matter There's an off day tomorrow But uh, he at least stayed in there and battled And uh, we got a couple of emails here There's not much good stuff for me to talk about Coming out of this game It's it's. I'm going to try But it's a pretty negative episode And uh, luckily we got some emails here To keep us afloat Now I'm not saying these emails are pretty uh, Greg emailed in He went to the game Uh, he said his wife had a work event. So last minute decision, I made the most, uh, he said, man, that was the most lifeless game I've been to all year. The first few innings, pitching and defense woes just killed the energy. Absolutely no life from the offense. I know we've been harping on this every day, but it really sucks. I love this team and I want them to win games, but you just cannot win games when you can't hit the ball. I don't have solutions, but I'm happy to see the young guys Freeman, Fry, and Arias get in there today to at least try to change it up a bit, man. Just not a fun ball game to watch, Greg. I, yeah, Greg. Uh, man, that's there's a risk in baseball. Like at least a basketball game, you know, you're gonna see what 90 to 110 points, 120 points put up. You know, you're gonna see somebody score a basket. Uh, I guess you take a risk in football too, and uh, American soccer for our in, for our international listeners. Uh, I guess you, there is a chance. I mean, the Browns have been shut out plenty. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you've seen some terrible football. If you go to a a soccer or a football match, uh, very easily your team could be shut out, and you could have a boring game. Uh, baseball, you, you tend to score a few runs. To tend to expect a few runs from your team being scored when you go to the ballpark so uh, I understand how anyone down there uh you had a beautiful day at least <laughs> you got outside on a beautiful Cleveland spring day uh hopefully you picked the right concession stand to go to and got yourself a nice lunch but other than that I not much not much to be excited about I don't know Maybe you found, uh, you know, ice cream sundae in one of those tiny helmets that they give out or something like that. Maybe, you, maybe it was a nice cold beer. Maybe you found uh, the good hot dogs in the ballpark. I don't know. Hopefully there was something there. Uh, maybe you got a high five from Slider and you took a picture with your kid. Like, hopefully there was something that uh, you could hang your head on and say, well, at least we, at least we did that today. Because um, it wasn't from the game. It wasn't from the game on the field. Uh, Greg does have another another email, uh, but I'm going to hold off Greg on your other email until we talk about the game for a second. Uh, Rick is getting frustrated. Rick and Austin emailed in. He said, Hi Davey, it's been frustrating lately with the guards' inability to score runs. Of course, that is a common feeling, but looking at the standings makes me feel better. Just two games back is so comforting. All that matters is keeping close to the top at this stage of the season. Guards are always better as the season goes on. You know what? I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Rick. I'm going to disagree. After winning the American League Central last year, after competing in the playoffs last year, right, winning in the wildcard round, taking it to five games against the Yankees, we came into this season feeling like we should be one of the top teams in the American League, like we should have a couple of all-stars on this team. And we're nowhere close to that. We might be two games back in the American League Central, but that means nothing we're miles behind in the American League in baseball i mean we got to be in the bottom 10 in baseball right if you're doing your power rankings of teams we we can't i mean it's there's just no life to this offense so i, I don't know rick i it doesn't make me feel any better i, I don't care what what the you know the standings of the American League central say where one team is above 500, <laughs> we've got we we expect way more, way more from this squad. We expect them to be one of the top five teams in the American League. That's what we expected coming into the season. So I think we got to hold them to a higher standard. Um, Rick went on to talk about Rosario and flipping the switch. He said about Rosario flipping the switch, I think that may be the case. Rosario always begins poorly and heats up, not to mention how important confidence is in baseball. It's not like as if Arias is a threat to take over anyway. Also, I agree with you about Freeman. Sitting on the bench will most likely make him go cold at the plate, which hurts everybody. I felt that he was good last year. Maybe he will start in the day game today at second. Keep up the good podcast. Rick and Austin. Well, he did start today, and he he got some hits. Um, So, uh, in fact... He had two hits on the day. The only hits on the day. The, uh, Francona clears out the bench for the day game, the Wednesday day game. He gets Fry in there at first base for Naylor. He gets Freeman in there at second base for Jimenez. And he gets uh, Arias in there in right field. Uh, you know, he's found a way to get Arias in the lineup and get the kids some at bats. Uh, and those are the three guys that actually come up with hits on the day. Fry gets his first major league hit, uh, you know, a little squibber off the end of the bat. Uh, Freeman has two hits on the day, and Arias has one. So I know Arias has struck out a ton. I know I know he tends to chase just as bad as some of our other right-handers. Hitters have chased sliders down and away, but uh, I I feel like since Arias has gotten regular playing time in right field, it's been a it's been a little bit. Has it been a little bit better? Um getting those regular at bats. So uh I, I don't know. And then, you know, Rosario may have had four hits the other night, but he does nothing in this game. So I don't like I said, I don't know if the switch is technically flipped. Maybe it was just one good game. Uh we're gonna have to see that stretched out. Um over his last seven games yeah over his last seven games he's hitting three oh eight. This is Gabriel Arias. He's hitting three oh eight he's got a plus seven hundred OPS so Okay, yeah, maybe now that he's getting some regular at-bats, Arias is starting to play a little bit. I, I've been hearing a lot of negative talk about Arias lately, and I felt like everybody was excited about him uh, when he was at AAA when he, last year, when he was scratching at the surface and in spring training this year. I I felt like there was some excitement about Gabriel Arias, uh, and I'm not feeling it now that the season's here. I feel like everybody is passing over him pretty quickly, looking at Freeman and Rocchio as the future of shortstop. So uh, Arias is going to have to continue to fight for his playing time, but at least he's got some, you know, right field that he can play now. Now, uh, it's not a perfect day for him. He does have an error here and it costs a run. Uh, This time it's not, uh, you know, tracking a ball down in the outfield. He actually catches a ball going to the right field line. You know, the thing we were talking about the other day. Uh, He does, he runs one down, not, it wasn't, It wasn't as on a dead sprint as it was the other day when the ball dropped for the double, but he still had to run to the line and make a catch, so uh, that impressed me. But he does come up uh, firing uh, in the third inning on this one. He does throw the ball into the kind of spikes his throw, makes it hard for Freeman to get it. Bell does a lazy job of backing it up. Nobody's behind Bell, so the ball kind of ends up in no man's land, and another run comes in to score because of this. So, it's not perfect from Gabriel Aris in right field right now. Uh, like, definitely did not have to muscle up on the throw like that. You know, it's much more important to hit your target. You know, he's got to take that shortstop approach uh, of hitting that first baseman. Same thing with the cutoff guy. Just put it in his chest. Like, you don't. It doesn't have to be a perfect throw. Get it to him. Uh, let him do the work of making catching it, making that turn, and firing home. So he's gotta something he's gotta learn out there in the outfield is how to use those cutoff men. Uh instead he he try to, you know, crank a throw off and uh ends up spiking the throw and uh giving up a run because of it. So uh, still a learning curve out there, but he's 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 getting at bats that way. It's at least getting him some at bats. So, uh, all right, let's get more into this game. And then uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for the email, Rick. And uh, Greg, we're coming back to yours. We're coming back at the end of the episode. He wants to talk about Zanino. Uh, so there'll be a, there's a pivotal moment in this game surrounding Zanino. And uh, they do. The Tigers jump on us early and they jump on Battenfield early. And they were hammering, they were hitting his hard stuff. Uh, going over to the uh, illustrator here, the things they were getting hits on, uh, especially in that second and the first and the third inning, uh, it was all fastballs and cutters because he basically threw mostly fastballs and cutters. And I could tell you that, um, most everything to the right handed hitters was on the outside edge of the plate, everything to the right handed hitters was away to that glove side of the plate. He was throwing there a ton, a ton, and they they were kind of ready for it. They were kind of sitting on it, and uh, yeah, uh, they were were hitting a lot of balls uh, from that right edge of the plate from the catcher's view. The lefties, it was one on inside and then one outside, both middle of the plate, like both at the belt. Uh, So fastballs and cutters. In fact, in fact... They didn't even bother swinging at his other pitches. If we go over to his player breakdown page, uh, Penfield threw 50 fastballs, 32 cutters, five curves, three changeups. They don't even take the bat off the shoulders for the curve or the changeup. Zero swings against the curve. Zero swings against the changeup. Uh, so I mean, basically. Me, basically meaningless pitches. Uh, he gets three called strikes on the curveball, so that's that's something. That's decent. But he's got to mix it up more. I mean, they were so ready for his fastball and for his curve. They were all over it. Uh, sorry, his cutter. Uh, you know, 29 swings on that fastball. 16 swings on that cutter. Uh, 29 swings and they put 15 of them in play off the fastball. So they were really, really ready, geared up for Bannonfield's fastball on the day. Uh just like we've talked about with Calquan Trill. I I don't know if that's a pitch mix you can you can live with, that you can work with. Um, unless you're really mixing up locations, really working to all four all four quadrants, which he he wasn't really doing that on this day. Uh You've got to use that curveball and a changeup a little bit more, right? Just to keep them honest. I mean, make them swing at one of those curveballs or one of those changeups. It's just all fastballs and cutters. Uh, going back over to the illustrator here, I'm wondering what counts those changeups and those curveballs came on. Uh, let's go to the count breakdown here for painted Battlefield. And a lot of them were early in the count. Okay, so a couple, uh, three first pitch curveballs, one first pitch changeup. On a 1 0 count, he uses each one once and he uses the changeup once on an 0 1 count. One curveball on a 1 2 count. But everything else, man, once the at bat starts, it's all the hard stuff. Even on 0 2 counts, he's not throwing the. the curve or the change, and trying to get him to chase outside the zone. That would be the time to use it when you're ahead. He's got one change up on an 0-1 count. He's got one curveball on a 1-2 count. I, why not? Why not on a 2-2 curveball? So it's all fastballs and cutters. Man, I it's, I I'm shocked. I'm shocked that that's the pitch mix that you know he wants to go with on the day. Uh, so he gets hammered around in the first inning. He gets hammered around in the third inning. Does settle down and gives you three innings there, the fourth, fifth, and the sixth. So a serviceable, but not a great start from Peyton Banfield. Uh, he goes go six innings, gives up seven hits, five runs, four earned, no walks at least, four strikeouts, and he's hard hit 10 times on 90 pitches. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, Eduardo Rodriguez was absolutely lights out. Seven innings pitched, four hits, no earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. He's only hard hit five times on 99 pitches. Not once. I take the back. Once in this game, he had to work. Once in this game, he had to sweat. It's a two-out single from Tyler Freeman in the second, and then Zanino strikes out. Not a big threat there. The Guardians go one, two, three in the first. They go one, two, three in the third. The fourth inning with two outs, they finally put some pressure on him. Josh Bell draws a walk, like the only thing he can hang his hat on right now. David Fry draws a, a walk behind him. Tyler Freeman with a single uh, loads the bases for Mike Zanino. It was an infield single, uh, a little chopper over the pitcher's head. Uh, but he legs it out, Uh, McKinstry at second base has no chance to throw him out, I don't think he even fielded it cleanly, Uh, so they load the bases for Zanino, and man, Zanino gets blown away, let's go to this actual at bat, because I want to make sure I get every pitch right on this thing, Um, Zanino uh, comes up, let me change the view here, back to the pitch chart, Uh, starts him off with a changeup that he swings over for a strike. Probably looking fastball, throws him a first pitch changeup, he swings over for a strike. Then goes with a high fastball up uh, up at the letters, up at the top of the strike zone, swings through it for a strike two, throws him another one up there, tries to go a little bit higher, but basically kind of puts it in the same spot. Uh, The catcher was definitely showing him, like, get this thing up here at his shoulders, at his neck, and he doesn't get it up that high, still high enough that all he can do is foul it off, Uh, still in an 0-2 count, he comes in with a fastball, uh, in at the belt, right on the black, and it's a called strike three with the bases loaded. Zanino goes up there hacking. The one time he doesn't take this bat off the shoulder, it's a called strike three. And uh, it was. I I know he protested a little bit. Maybe on TV it looked just a tad off the plate, but it was close enough that he's got to protect. He takes the called strike three there. So changing the eye level absolutely locks up Zanino. And, man, just leaving runners on base, it's a terrible day for Zanino. He goes 0-3 with three more strikeouts. He leaves four men on base. Speaking of what have you done for me lately, we looked at the last seven days for uh, Gabriel Arias. Uh, let's look at the recent splits. For the last seven days, uh, in 20 at-bats, Zanino has no hits and 15 strikeouts. He's got one walk. One RBI to hang his hat on. No hits in his last seven games. 20 at-bats, no hits, and 15 strikeouts. I mean, this guy is striking out at just an alarming, alarming rate. And, uh, he's the only one who had a chance, really, in this game to do damage against Eduardo Rodriguez, and he can't come through. He can't take the bat off his shoulders. Uh... After that, they do get a leadoff single from Gabriel Arias in the fifth inning, but they go one, two, three behind him. Uh David Fry with a two-out single in the sixth inning. Like I said, 73.7 miles per hour. Definitely got it off the end of the bat. But it had a 740 expected batting average. Drops it in perfectly into no man's land there in the outfield. But Freeman would ground out behind him to end the inning. And then that's it. That's they. They get a walk to lead off the ninth, but not not another hit after David Fry's weak single, uh, in the sixth inning there. So the Tigers, man, they kicked our butts. They absolutely kicked our butts in this one in this series. This is this was a hard one to swallow. I, I, I was expecting a much better game today. I know Rodriguez is a good pitcher, and maybe that's just it. Maybe Rodriguez proved that he really has uh, stepped into his own here in Detroit. And uh, he's one of the best pitchers in the American League right now, no doubt about it. And uh, I, I thought, you know, the Guardians had had a streak of actually showing up against, you know, rising to the competition when it came to starting pitching. And. They do not on this one. So uh, I said we were going to talk about Zanino. Uh, Greg had emailed in uh, before the game this morning, and he said, this is not game specifics, just something I have noticed this season, but especially yesterday with Bieber on the mound. Last year, I thought our pitching staff staff looked confident and pitched well because they were pitching great, but I think Austin Hedges instilled a lot of confidence in them in terms of blocking, framing, calling the game, etc. This year, we have all noticed... Uh, Zanino's defense in terms of blocking is not great. His framing and game calling do seem to be pretty good, but Cam Gallagher, who caught yesterday from going back on stats, has a winning record when catching full games for us this season. Now, this is remember, he was catching Bieber on the game we won in this series. Uh, Now, this is a much smaller sample size as he has not started as many games as Zanino, but his staff loves to bury breaking balls. Bieber, Karen Jack, henches, etc. So just something I wanted to bring up because it is interesting to me. Now, Cam's bat is terrible and probably always will be, but Zanino hasn't exactly been impressive except for his hot start. Let me know your thoughts and if you think that catcher has a lot of influence on his staff and if you have noticed a difference between those two. I have, Greg. I absolutely have. Cam Gallagher has been really great behind the plate and absolute a zero offensively. I mean, worse than Austin Hedges was way worse. But uh he calls a really great game. He blocks everything in the dirt. Uh yeah, Gallagher has can handle that side of things, but just as a black hole offensively. And Zanino was supposed to at least bring some offense. But he's having arguably his worst season so far. Now, again, middle of May, things can turn around, a lot of baseball left, but 32 years old, coming back off a major injury, coming off of a down year in 2022, uh, you know, trying to recapture what he had in 2021, which was his best season, his all-star season, 33 home runs, uh, trying to find that again. Maybe there's nothing left in the tank for Zanino. You know, the catcher position takes a lot out of you. These numbers are atrocious. Uh expected batting average, first percentile. Expected slugging, first percentile. K percentage, first percentile. With percentage, first percentile. That that's not that's not the good end of the spectrum. You wanna be in the hundredth percentile. Well, first percentile means literally worst in the league. Inexpected batting average. And these, are the, these aren't even the true numbers. These are the expected numbers. You get a little bit of leeway with these numbers. And he's still the worst in baseball in batting average. Worst in baseball in expected slugging. And this was a guy who was specifically brought into slug. Worst in strikeout percentage. We knew he was going to strike out, but not like this. And worst in whiff percentage. Bottom of the barrel. Average exit velocity, ninth. This is a guy going back last year. Uh, well, they don't have much data on it from last year. Going back to 2021, his average exit velocity was the 74th percentile. And now he's down in the 9th percentile. 74th to 9th. His expected weighted on base is 5th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 26th percentile. In, in uh, 2021, his good season, his all-star season, 81st percentile in hard hit percentage. So yeah, it's it's getting bad. It's getting bad. His pop time at second base, they do have some of the defensive catcher metrics on here. In 2021, his All-Star season, he was in the 89th percentile for pop time on throws to second base. Right now he's in the 5th percentile on pop time uh to second base. So it's I they don't have anything in here about blocking balls in the dirt, but I can tell you that's not. We all know that's not good. Um yeah, it's, it's a brutal, brutal season. His hard hit percentage is way down from his career average. He averages 41.7% hard hit percentage. He's down to 34.2 right now. His strikeout percentage is way up from the last two seasons. It was 35.2, then 37.4, and now it's up to 42. His, uh, his career average was 36.1. His K percentage is now up to 42%. It's just, it's bad. Everywhere you look, it's it's bad numbers for uh, for Zanino. I mean, in the past he uh in 2021, he didn't have a great batting average, but he slugged 590 against fastballs. Uh this year he's slugging 326 against fastballs. A major major drop right there in being able to handle fastballs. Um so yeah, so Absolutely brutal stuff from Mike Zanino. And it makes you wonder. I Francona is I know what he said. I know what he said about you know sticking with his veterans. There's not, you know, some magic cure in AAA that's gonna come up here. I'm wondering how long the leash is on Zanino. I'm wondering how long until they they cut him loose. Maybe they keep Cam Gallagher for his defense. And they bring up Bo Naylor. And you've got to see if Bo Naylor's back in play at the Major League level here. I know he was really rough in the very limited at-bats he got in September at uh, the end of last year. But he's crushing in AAA. He is absolutely crushing. And that's what you want to see before someone makes that leap again to the Major League level. I think he's proving everything he needs to prove at AAA right now. It's, th- it's probably time to get his bat up here it's probably time to take a look at him. I don't know how long you can run with Zanino. If he's not hitting fastballs, if he's not hitting for a some kind of power, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing with Zanino? Because the defense is terrible. He's making the pitchers look bad. What are we doing with Zanino? How is he helping this team? So, uh, yeah, it's pretty rough stuff uh, right now from the catching position. So, uh, yeah, your observations are spot on, Greg. Uh, when it comes to catching, so appreciate the email. Uh, thanks for giving us something to talk about on a day when this baseball game, oof, was not was not worth talking about. MVP on the day. Uh, let's just give it up to David Fry for his first major league hit. Pretty cool, even though uh, it wasn't a screamer. Probably not the one he uh, he pictured. You know. Uh, all those nights in, in Little League and, and playing high school ball and uh, all those nights in the minor leagues. It, probably not the hit he imagined for himself for his first Major League hit, but you'll take it, right? It feels good to be standing on first base. So uh, David Fry, MVP on the day for his first Major League hit. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball morning. Terrible game. Absolutely terrible. Let's just move on. Let's move on. We get the angels coming in here. And if anything, it'll at least be fun. Uh, we got a day off, so I won't be back with you until Saturday morning. But uh, you know, it'll at least be fun to have uh have the angels in here. Get to see Trout, get to see Otani. Uh, you know, the stars from LA will be here in Cleveland. Uh, so we're facing all lefties this weekend. Uh, we skip Otani in the rotation somehow. So we don't have to face Otani on the mound. We're definitely going to have to face him up at the plate. Uh, and we get that weird Sunday Peacock game, which means an 11.35 start time on your, uh, on your Mother's Day game. So those of you that got Mother's Day brunch plans, uh, you're going to have to figure out how to watch the game on your phone or something like that. Sneak it in somehow. Because uh, it's an 11.35 start on Sunday. Uh, so that's all my thoughts on this one. We'll be back to cover that series. Going for the Guardians, by the way. We got Logan T. Allen kicking off that series. Uh, Quantrill and bybee going for your Guardians against the Angels. All right, the final in this one, it's the Tigers 5, the Guardians, nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. See how much fun the show is with those guys emailing in. Uh you can do it too. There's plenty of people that listen to this show that we've never heard from, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So if you've ever thought about it, if you've ever been a little hesitant, this is my words of encouragement. This is me pushing you over that line. Send the email in, let me know your thoughts, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you want to go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning.